Hi guys, welcome to episode 8 of Everything In Between. Firstly, we cannot believe that we have done 8 episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this episode, we will be speaking about a very, very, very important topic. Um, We'll be speaking about consent. And we'll be talking about consent in a range of different situations. And also, we are very, very excited because we will be joined by a very special guest. Um, We learned so much on this episode. We know that you will also. So we just encourage you to get your pens and paper, get your girls around you, get your guys around you and really have a good listen and think about what consent means for you and all your relationships. We hope you enjoy. Bye. Everything in between. Everything in between. Everything in between. Everything in between. Everything. Everything. 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 Hi guys, welcome back to our episode. Hi guys. Welcome back, welcome back. We hope you're all doing well and you're keeping safe. Um, we are back today with a special episode actually, let me say, because we have a special guest with us today. Um, before I introduce her, I just want to say that we are talking about consent today um, and it's such an important and sensitive topic. So if for any reason there are any triggers in this um, episode we're going to leave some helpful links um in the bio so please have a look at that um so yes we have an amazing guest with us today her name is lolo cynthia um and she's an expert in this field so i'm just not even going to try and delve into um introducing that i'm gonna let her do it herself so lolo do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself uh, thank you so much for having me. My name is Lolo. I am a sexuality and reproductive health educator and activist. I use my platforms to create a community where we discuss issues around women's sexuality, relationship, and stigmatize the issues around sex and also fight for women's rights. Love that. So, hi guys. Sorry, it's me. I was like quiet in the background because we've got three of us on the call and, you know, we're just trying to make sure that it works. So, Lola, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for, you know, agreeing to chat with us. Um, Myself and Okwe have been following you for some time now. Um, We follow you on Twitter. We follow you on Instagram. And your content is so great. Um, I think my first introduction to you was more around the public health advocacy things that you do so around um like menstrual hygiene um i think that was kind of how i first heard about you um in terms of sex ed as well but um i would love if you could just kind of go into how you got into what you do because i love the fact that you said kind of sexuality um education which is so key because you know you and i were having a chat yesterday and i was saying when you say sex ed a lot of parents think, oh my God, my kids can't be hearing about sex ed. They're too small, da 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 da. Um, so what's the difference? What's sexu- sexuality education and how did you get into what you do? Uh, you are absolutely correct. When people hear sex ed, the first thing you think about is like you're teaching them to have sex because mm-hmm. sex is already a taboo on its own. Uh, in countries, other countries, they have... Um, 
a loophole and changed it from sexuality education to life orientation because it's actually what it means. Sexuality education is not just about penetration or talking about sexual intercourse. It's very broad and it discusses all the elements that make you a sexual being from your reproduction to your human anatomy where we're talking about puberty to the relationships to the way you see yourself as a sexual being in society. Then we start talking about sexuality. That's where sex comes in, virginity comes in, masturbation comes in. Then there's and sexuality, society, and culture. That's where we're talking about body image. That's where we're talking about how you view yourself as a sexual being in a society. That's how we're talking about the value given on put on women versus the value put on men. So it's literally discussing all the elements that we see in the country or in our in our world. But because of the name itself, sex ed, sexuality education, people streamline it sexual intercourse because they don't believe or they they are ignorant to the very very broad and i started um this part when i got back to the country i'd already been doing something like this i was very intrigued on the issues around sex and sexuality i was very intrigued mm -hmm. about gender stereotypes and power dynamics since i was a child and because i grew up in nigeria before i traveled to south africa sexism is very high here and as a young girl who was just very observant very curious i mean i love knowledge i would stay at the background and just who acted with guys, with women, just to learn. I would see how women would use their sexuality to get certain things mm. and the way sexuality could be exalted when the man wants it and how it could be um, stigmatized and shamed when the man wants it and the woman doesn't give it. So it, in a minute, you can see so many things happen. And I was just observing uh, university when I traveled to South Africa and I began to leave there. Uh, in school, I would do what we call, I started a, a women's forum. Where I would just call my friends and say, let's just talk about maybe power and sex or let's talk about marriage or something. Just, I didn't even know that this was like a real thing. I just had the urge to create a platform where we women could just talk and I would invite my friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would invite a psychologist, a sexologist, just like in varsity. And she would just come. It was such an incredible space. So I got mm -hmm. back into the country in Nigeria and I into schools, secondary schools, to pass. I love teaching naturally. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pass the information around relationships to secondary school students, tell them about what healthy relationship is, unhealthy relationships, because in Nigeria, where I am from, we don't have a template for what a healthy relationship looks like. People don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. People know what a transactional relationship looks like, and assume that that's what a healthy relationship is because in these places, um, all man for himself, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a relationship and you are cashing out, then you are enjoying that relationship is healthy, you know. So when I came back and I began to talk to young people about relationship, I began to talk about the we did in secondary schools that we assumed were fun. Um, talk, I often spoke about um, power dynamic because. I see and I know that teenagers are curious and older men to prey on teenage girls. So that was mm -hmm. the angle that I always came in with. And I would tell them about the guy that buys you shawarma, you know, use funny jokes. When you guys yeah. are embodying school, in quotes, your maga, you are embodying school and the guy is buying maybe full chicken for all of your friends and your friends are gingering <laughs> to go and see the guy now. Babe, go and see the guy. Mm -hmm. See this guy, we just buy us. You cannot go and bring more for us now. It is. Mm -hmm. 
yeah it is fun you know when you're in those moments you think i'm just having my fun that i'm having the best time but as an right. adult when you look back yeah. you got to wish that there was someone that told you that there are other ways to get this shawarma and chicken Without yeah, having without to do the things that you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started talking about those issues, the great areas about you know relationship, power dynamic, and I realized that these guys don't even know the fundamentals. They don't know anything mm-hmm. about consent. They have never heard the word consent before. Mm-hmm. They don't know that they have the right to say, even if you bought me something, I'm not going to do anything to you. I don't know mm. that the things that we did in secondary school, there's a term called tapping current. Tapping current is, um, well, just slang, a, a pigeon thing, but it basically means the person that you like, you go and you fondue them in a way that is not so direct, but still allows you fill them up. So you're tapping current, you're not getting it, just tapping it and you're running away. So mm. back then, in school, even when I was in school, and when I go back to talk to these people, they did not see that there was anything wrong with it. They don't see how it's sexual harassment. They think it's just fun. So I went back and I said, you know what? I'm going to expand what I'm teaching. I'm going to go back and talk about puberty, consent, you know, touch, bad touch, and start with even primary students and talk to junior ones on issues of um, relationship stereotypes and continue to increase the complexity of the conversation as I go, um, as I um, as I move up the, the ladder of classes. And I realized that that's really opened up, uh, uh, opened up the teenagers and the students to talk to me because they have so many questions. The questions mm-hmm. I get sometimes, I'm like, I can't even believe I'm getting questions from a GSS3 girl. Oh, my, what can I do? I, I see if I'm liking my female friends more than my male friends. Is there something wrong with me? This is a child that is probably understanding that she might be a lesbian. You know, nobody uh, is talking about those things. So that's how I actually and I began to develop my service. I began to develop my curriculum to show our own lived experiences. Even our syllabus, I was using American people's example. I decided to bring it back down and use examples that we see in our daily life, examples that every African can read and relate to. So that's how I started five years after. We'll still doing it. Perfect. I love that. I love that. I have a few questions. Sorry, okay, I'm not yeah. sure if you do, but no, I have a few questions based on some of the things that you said. So firstly, this is just a comment. It's crazy to know that tapping current is also a thing in Nigeria because okay I don't know if this happened to you but when I was in secondary school I remember there was there was a name for it but I can't remember where literally there was a particular stairwell by Mm. the back of school stairwells or like particular like corridors where when it class finishes so it's like a bunch of people like all rushing at the same time to go to classes the guys would like rush the girls like literally like by and like literally tackle them to the floor trying to touch their bum trying yeah. to touch their breast and run away and i it's just so crazy to hear i was gonna like, say oh, that thing like as yeah. well it's it's it, and, and this was, and this was, was primary school as well actually i remember when we were like five six years old six crazy absolutely crazy um so i think i think lola the things that you are teaching are so important because from such a young age there was Mm -hmm. so much sexualization so much abuse of consent so -hmm. much craziness going on and we didn't even know that um Mm -hmm. one of my questions to you is what are some of the things because you know you spoke about like studying in south africa and from your work i know that you definitely look at examples of 
other countries just as people should always do in terms of trying to perfect their skill and look at what you can bring to Nigeria, what you can make better. Uh What have you found to be some of the um, things in terms of sexuality education in other countries that you think Nigeria um, needs right now, doesn't have? And what are some of the things, for example, that you think wouldn't be so helpful in a Nigerian context? Okay, um, that's a good question. In the Netherlands, they start their sex ed from like three years old. Again, sexuality education, they have age-appropriate sex ed. They start their sex ed from three years old up until they are in secondary school, and it's embedded in the curriculum. And their sex ed has um, values like love, honesty, human rights, respect, consent. It's not just about sex. From when they are three, four years, they begin to embed in you how to be a good human being, how to respect other people. Those are the things, that's something that I believe we can bring into our country. Because if, I'm just going to use a quick example. If you look at the Netherlands and you look at the United States, the United States practices, most of the states, they practice abstinence-based sex education. So don't let anyone, they don't talk about, you know, contraceptives and things like that. They are talking about abstinence-based. When you compare that with the Netherlands, the United States has the highest teenage pregnancy in the whole industrialized um, country, the whole West the United States versus Netherlands have the, the least amount of teenage pregnancy. Also, they have the least amount of abortions. But what they are tackling is comprehensive sexuality education. When you also compare, I'm trying to use the West to show that we're never bringing it to Africa. When you also compare the um, debut of sexual experiences in the Netherlands and the United States, they start basically almost at the same age. But their beliefs and behaviors towards sex and attitudes towards sex are completely different. In the United States, these students and the, sorry, the young people associate their first time with regret, with shame, versus the Netherlands who associate their first time with fun, with them being ready. They brought the contraceptives they wanted to do with knew what it entailed. So you're looking at two Western countries that have the same basic amenities. They have the same opportunities to everything. But the only difference is the curriculum they teach, the kind of sexuality education that they push there. One is abstinence mm-hmm. that tells you to avoid it completely, like what we do in Nigeria. Why the other one in the country is allowing you to see that sex is part of the human um, human process, is part of the human experience, you know, mm-hmm. and it completely changes the way you view yourself as a sexual being. It completely right. changes the way you see yourself when you go into the pharmacy and you buy a condom. That shame that you feel because of they've told you that it's something you're not meant to do. If you've been thought about sex, contraceptives, from a young age and throughout school, that shame is not there because everyone in the society sees it as something that is part of the human experience. Right. That is something that we can certainly bring into our country, um, Nigeria. And also maybe another thing we can do is just to make it palatable for Nigerians to take it up is to change the name to in South Africa. In South Africa, they don't call it sexuality education, they call it life orientation. So if we can make certain tweaks that makes it easier for us to push the message here like that, then I think it's going to go a long way. And one thing that I don't know it can work in our country and might seem a bit i don't know controversial but you cannot bring the issue of lgbt into the sexuality education in nigeria right now because it's going to nobody's going to accept it the parents are going to fight it the church is going to fight it everyone is going to assume that you're bringing them in a western culture to their own um country so a strategic way to bring that in is to discuss human rights 
make that part of your sexuality education where we discuss society sex and culture you bring in human rights you start talking about the issues around sexuality that conflict with human rights so you're not talking about lgbt in quotes you know specifically but you're broadening the conversation and showing how society can as um make certain um practices and certain sexuality a taboo 100%. so those are, those are the strategic ways that you in the conversation without to ruffle feathers and understanding that we're a society that is extremely conservative, even if we are also, I don't know, we, we don't practice what we preach, but because of we are socially conditioned to see our social status as more important, people are going to act a certain way outside, but do something different. So mm. those are the things that we can bring into the country, into our country regarding sexuality education, even the conversation of abortion. When you bring in abortion, I have an exercise, it's called In Her Shoes. In Her Shoes basically is storytelling. We use letters to show people why people have abortions. So this girl is telling you a story of what happened, that she got pregnant, she doesn't know what to do, she's 17. This You are teaching people to have empathy, not to tell them that, oh, everybody must have abortion. No, you're teaching them to see who do it, to empathize and to understand. To let them know that yes, you can have your own um, opinions and belief around abortion, but you need to understand someone else might do it. That's right. Yeah, I love that. So, so it, I, love it's, that. I, love, I, I think I think the one thing that I'm getting from what you're saying is that we're not equipping people with what we're they not. need to have healthy sexual relationships, essentially. Absolutely. And you know, I know what I know. We're focusing on Nigeria, but I think this is just a general issue. Um, just so you know, I mean this topic is so so potent at the moment because in the UK actually you know there's a thing called black twitter and most recently uh -huh. um there's been women who have been coming out to speak about their you know experiences um specifically around sexual assaults um and they've been you know naming and shaming you know you know quite popular you know guys or on the, on the yeah. TL and you know bring them to fall out and saying this person's I've actually had a horrible experience with them so it's been going on for the past week or so so it's been really prevalent so i'm happy we're speaking about this but one thing that's come out actually from these um allegations is that you know we aren't equipped actually i think in the uh -huh. uk it's a bit different where we do speak about sex um we speak about it more from a biological point of view um and then the, 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 from that we go straight into okay when you have sex use a condom be safe uh -huh. you know we don't really talk about the in between we don't really talk about okay you know how do you how do i initiate sex you know if I yes like, what's sex, how does that happen we don't mm. all of those lines are blurred uh -huh. so as in the uk as a teenager you know that the sex is a thing that happens and all you know is that you just need to be safe and use a condom or else you get stds so uh -huh. it's very very basic Mm -hmm. So one thing that's come up is consent. And I think consent has come up for the past few years, actually, where the word has been mm -hmm. thrown around. But one thing mm -hmm. that I've learned now is that we really, really don't actually know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, still blurred. So I guess to kind of educate our listeners and even ourselves, how would you define consent? Like, what does that mean to you? And what should we know about that word? Okay, um, consent basically is a fundamental human right. This is how I tell people. There are so many kinds of consent. Yes, we're talking about sex, and so we're gonna be talking about sexual consent. But consent is not limited to just sexual spaces. So when we're discussing consent, the mistake I believe we make is because we're talking about sex, sexual assault, we want people to understand consent. We focus so much on the sexual spaces that we fail to realize that people don't even know how to give consent in non-sexual where the right. not even that high when someone does not know how to say no to a man that's approaching right. her or when a man does not know how to respond uh, when a man when you are passing the road and the man wants to pass he touches your waist to move you out of the road 
but he does not do that to a man. Do you know that? Like it, it's the tiny yeah. things. Yeah. So it, it, when, when we don't understand those little things, like I say, it's going to be really difficult. So for me, sexual consent just basically means permission people permission before they do anything having the ability to say i don't want to do this and this is why i don't want to do this and you have to respect the person's decision respecting yeah. people's decisions permission and privacy and personal space that's basically what consent is and if we're basically looking at it as when she says no she says no, she says yes she says no you are also in nuances because yeah. human engagement and experience is not always black and white you cannot tell me now that when you're with your partner, your partner has to tell you, can I kiss you? Or can I take off your panties? Can I touch your leg? That's not mm. how it works. We, I know that we want to make it so easy, black and white, so yeah. people understand it. But even makes it much more difficult because now they say, what about nonverbal consent? Right. You know, there's something like nonverbal consent. There's something like verbal consent because the human experience is not just about verbals. It's about the way our body responds. So when we're teaching consent, it's fantastic to talk about enthusiastic, yes, that someone has to be enthusiastic, that they want it. Maybe verbally, that might be in the way their body responds. That might be in the way they are responding to your touch. You know? And if we don't talk about those gray areas for fear of, we are afraid that if we, if we talk about those gray areas, then anybody who doesn't respect consent can use it as, uh, as an argument. I can say, eh, now, eh, but she was responding. She said she liked it now. That means she wanted it now. But yeah, <laughs> empower, yeah, but empowering people with the knowledge to understand that there is verbal and nonverbal consent. There is consent that happens in non-sexual spaces. There's consent that happens in sexual spaces. There's consent that happens where you think you've given consent, but you don't even have the legal right to give consent. Using examples like when your body responds to touch, as a woman or as a man, if someone touches you, you sexually your body is going to respond it doesn't mean that you wanted it it means that right. your body is responding the way it's meant to respond that's another right. great area of consent boys that are being abused by housemates that think that they love it so much because it's so pleasurable don't understand that they are not giving consent just because their body is responding to touch and it's because of this lack of understanding that leads to guilt a girl who right. was assaulted that felt um, pleasure because the man was caressing her breast is confused because if this is assault, why do I feel pleasure? Does it mean that I secretly gave consent? So yes, consent is about giving permission. It's about understanding that the person has agency to decide if they want to engage in something or not. But we need to continue to expand the conversation and move away because we are so focused on semantics. Oh, it's rape. She raped you. Oh, it's assault. You need to give consent. You don't understand. We need to move away from semantics, black and white, and focus on what consent a healthy and unhealthy sexual experience what constitutes a healthy and unhealthy relationships because even if you don't know what is you should understand that this thing is not right there are certain yes. times as humans where we're just like i don't know this thing doesn't just feel right you might not have a name for it you might not have a word for it you might not have heard anybody in your family even say something about it but you know right. intuitively that it doesn't feel right right so if right. we teach people, yeah, if we teach people the gray areas, if we teach people to understand that we can expand the conversation from not just enthusiastic years to saying that there are other areas that we're not talking about, we're empowering people, like you said, with the tools to understand mm -hmm. that something isn't right. If you're having sex with someone and you guys agree to use a condom and how it removes the condom, 
and find out you are incredibly angry and violated. But nobody might have told you that that is wrong. In your mind, you believe that it's just one of those things. I'm going to go take contraceptives. Definitely. But now it is part of harassment. It, it can be constituted as rape. Yes. Hundred yes. percent. I love. Mm -hmm. I love. I love all the examples that you gave. I yeah. love that. I love the fact that basically, you know, it sounds like when you're teaching, um, when you're teaching, that you're looking at everything on a human level and yes. focusing on human rights. Because I think when you do that, it enables people, as you said, like just stripping it down to its basics and and stops people getting caught up in semantics and caught up in the conversations mm -hmm. that they heard and caught up in just everything else that can sometimes complicate this even further and I, mm -hmm. I love I love um I love what you've what you've basically you know been saying and I totally agree with that like sometimes you just know inside of you you know mm -hmm. this doesn't feel right even when for example like if you're somebody having sex with somebody else and you're like mm, it just doesn't feel right like I don't know if this person is consenting and I and I love because you know when we're not sure about normal things like for example say I want to take someone's water and mm -hmm. I'm like oh can I can I drink some of your water and they don't say anything, you know. Mm -hmm. The normally we'll say we'll repeat the question. Are you sure? Can I drink Can some I, of your water? Yeah, Are you yeah. sure? Mm -hmm, you know, we'll mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If we don't verbally say it, we'll go mm -hmm. up to them and you know, your water, shake the water bottle in front of them. To you know, there are things that we can do to like just on a human level that we can definitely That's apply right. to sexual spaces. So I, I love everything that you've been saying. Can I just jump and, in there, Jen? Sorry. Yeah, sure. Okay. Just quickly, just because it's it's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I get that, and I understand the human level, but I also think that because there's been so much damage that's been done, <laughs> mm -hmm. do you think there's use in, a, in a, um, approaching it via gender? Because I definitely think that it, when, it, when I think about sex, I think the way men look at it is very um, predatory. So, you know, something yeah. that I need to hunt and get. And mm -hmm. unless I get it, I haven't won. You know, I need, that's the prize. And I think mm -hmm. as women, we've been taught to, you know, almost kind of submit. And, you know, our role in the bedroom is just to to, to, to lay down and, you know, what the yeah, man wants to do yeah. to us, you yeah. know, and we have to give them this thing. So do you almost think, because that's how our brains are almost wired and it's in our psyche, do you mm -hmm. think that we need to kind of approach it? But, you know, girls, this is what this is your role. Men, this is, uh, boys, this is uh, your role. Do you think that works? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just even before I answer that question, I love the example of the water bottle it's this is what i mean when i say people know what consent is right we people do. fundamentally know like you said the water bottle thing you go and you can get your water even if you mm. have friends you're not sure if you should drink the water because what if the person gets the it's a walk. yeah so yeah you go and you shake the the difference mm. now is when someone sees that bottle of water and assumes that i bet that's her business i'm going to drink it it's what happens in the family when your do not respect your you know your own privacy or one. They go and they think that it's I'm the elder one. It's my it's my right to. Hundred percent. Power comes in in everything. This is why I always speak about power. Consent mm. is highly linked with power. I just wanted to like it's such a fantastic example to use to show that people know what it is. And when yeah. you think about making it gendered, it is so important. I have mixed and same um same sex because they're just certain conversations you can have with. You have to just break it down so you can be specific. What you said about the way men view sex and the way women view sex is crucial. There is a sexual script that has been put out. For centuries, we just act. We are just actors in this world. We come into the world. We see how the world works. We continue following the script that has been set out. The script set mm -hmm. out is that men want sex, women give sex. That's it. 
men take and women give it. So even at that fundamental level, there's going to be a power imbalance. So what you do is now to go and teach the girls to be able to have power in these situations, to be able to withdraw their power, Mm. to see sex as something that they are involved in and they are not given. Mm. It's something that they're also enjoying with the person. And go and talk to the guys and tell them sex is not something you take. Yeah. It's something you engage somebody. Mm-hmm. 100%. So when you when we break this down, I teach children so and teenagers, so I'm gonna be able to like you know break it down to the fundamentals. But if we're talking yeah. to adults about these issues, we need to, like you said, be very gendered. We need to really highlight the ways that men might not see that they are bypassing someone's consent because they have been conditioned to view women as objects to fulfill their own desire. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hundred. Sorry, I have two questions now. Oh my God, we are yeah. going. So I was going to say forever. <laughs> forever. So basically, okay, now we wrote down. We wrote down some points, but you are just honestly with through the different questions with you Lola but okay so I have I have two questions my first question is what has what have you found because I love that you because I you know I study public health so this is really interesting to me because I love interventions that especially gender kind of in gendered topics I love Uh when men are also targeted because a lot of times we'll be trying to deal with injustices to women and we're only mm-hmm. talking to women and it's like well that doesn't actually make sense so I love that you're speaking to men also a, a key question mm-hmm. I have for you is what have you found what is usually the response when you're delivering your classes that you get from women versus men how do women respond to your like are a lot of them like, shocked, mm-hmm. like wow I didn't know I had this power are a lot of men resistant mm-hmm. um what, mm-hmm. what's the reaction you get Okay, I'm going to tell you one fundamental like difference, which is so interesting to me. Every class I go to, when I talk to the girls, the issues they want to discuss are relationships. When I talk to the boys, the issues they want to discuss are sex. It's just, it's just a very simple thing. So the women are like, my boyfriend does not listen to me. How can I tell my boyfriend I'm not ready for sex without him getting angry? The right. boy on the other side is like, why is it that my girlfriend is not ready? Every time I've bought everything, how can I get into the... Wow. It's it's a different belief and mindset. So women right. are so um, caught up with the relationship dynamic. Why men are focused on the physical and the sexual angle, like get things done. How can I make my girlfriend see me as someone that is really good in bed? Mm-hmm. So that fundamental difference really comes in when they say men are, in quotes, more physical and more focused on sex, while women are more focused on relationships. I have seen yeah. that difference and it's there. But when I'm talking about the interventions and I'm talking to you know both sides, there is resistance on both angles. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, because in as much as, as, as fucked up as it is, when we talk about the different sexual scripts, there's, quote, certain privileges that yes. women have because of the dynamic. Yeah. So when you go to schools and I'm telling you that you have a certain bit of power, that you don't have to exchange gifts or assume that because someone has done certain, certain thing, you have to give sex. Mm. That's conditional um, coercion, mm-hmm. where you believe that under certain conditions, you are forced to do certain do things, something. even if the person yeah. doesn't ask you for it. 
Mm. So when I go to the schools and I'm talking to young girls about these gray areas, they're intrigued. One, they didn't know they have those power. Like you said, they have no one has ever told them about these things before. Mm. But two, they are confused because what does that say about me? How am I going to be able to navigate a male-dominated world if I'm not using my sexuality? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, man, mm. that. Mm-hmm. that right there picking my fingers yeah because we hear <laughs> a lot you know use what because, you have as a woman yes mm-hmm. exactly yeah, exactly exactly yeah. because you have been conditioned to see that as the only power that you have right. girl mm-hmm. and the only thing that men are subject to like the only ex- they don't have control abso- over their feelings. absolutely they don't. you can get what you want ab- Rah, absolutely so deep yeah so yeah. deep yeah, yeah that's crazy oh my yes. gosh um can I ask? Okay, sorry. This is my last. I promise. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I no, go for it. Off the script. This is my um last question before the actual question that I was supposed to ask you. Um, what role do you think self awareness plays in this? Now, the reason I ask this is because I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and we were talking about how um we find that women, not all the time, but usually women mm-hmm. are. Um, tend to be a lot more self-aware so they ask themselves questions oh why why do I behave like this why why do I do this mm-hmm. oh I'm trying to improve as a person why do mm-hmm. I do this and that's why um, it can be a lot uh, like they're able to identify the issues mm-hmm. around consent and sexual assault and just all these things whereas sometimes it can feel like men are just not as sexually aware like not sexually mm-hmm. aware sorry self-aware like they just do things like they're just like I don't know why I do that I just do it like that's just mm-hmm. what I do and mm-hmm. have you found that that plays a role in the dynamics in relationships in I don't know absolutely absolutely no 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 you absolutely spot on. your questions are so insightful because they're really spot on and even before I answer them I'm just going to finish the um difference with the boys oh, and the sure. girls so Sorry, the yeah. boys the men even when I teach them like I said, they are not necessarily intrigued. We're talking about relationship dynamics. They're talking about their sexual life. Oh, why is it that happening? When does it? So when I bring in the relationship side, because it takes them, you know, it's, when I teach the girls, I have to force them to talk about the sexual side. The same way I have to force them to talk about the relationship side. And the relationship side is where your question comes in. There's a lack of self-awareness for them. Because the society they've been brought up in have told them that they can do whatever they want without repercussions. But in our society as a woman, you have to think 10 times about your steps and about your decisions to understand if it's going to affect you negatively. Is it going to affect my social status as a woman? Again, consider the power imbalance. That's why they say that women are, in quotes, intuitive. They have the fifth or the sixth sense. What that means is that women have been conditioned in society to be intuitive and to be observant because playing in a society where they have no power. Right. It's like saying black people in the West have more, um, are more self-aware about issues around race and power. Yes, they have no choice but to be because they are the ones mm-hmm. in the victim position. They are the ones that understand that if they do something, then the person at the top is going to use it against them. So society, yes, women can be more self-aware than men to a certain degree because they have to do things in a way that does not reduce their social worth. Remember, again, women's values are associated with the way society sees them. Mm. Women, and that also means that women are forced to want to be liked. And yeah. if you want to be liked, you're going to think about everything 100 times deeper. It makes, you, it makes you more self-aware. Because if I do this now, my mom will say this, and my uncle will say this, and my dad will say this, you start becoming more empathetic. Mm. 
that part about this self-awareness i think self-awareness is fantastic but you're not being self-aware for the benefit of yourself you're being self-aware for the benefit of others you are doing it so other people can like you. You're not doing it so you can be better for your own personal self. You're not asking yourself, why is it that if I have money, I cannot buy that Mercedes Benz that I love? You don't use that self-awareness to improve your own self. You use that self-awareness to improve the way people see you. Oh, this yeah. of me buying a Mercedes Benz. Let me just buy Volvo. So that guy that is toasting me will not feel inferior. You yeah. understand that that guy is going to feel inferior, but you don't understand what it does to you that you're reducing your what to right. fulfill your needs. So yes, women are more self-aware, which has immense benefit because it comes to the issues of consent. They are more likely to see the power imbalance. But men, because in the society, like I said, has given them so much power, they don't challenge anything. A man can do one thing and he would be recognized and a woman has to do 10 or 15 things to be recognized. Yeah, yeah. The men have subjectivity. The men don't know when they don't know anything because even society will not let them. What you said is fucked up. They will just keep quiet. Yeah. Do you know what though? I think it even runs deeper than that because mm-hmm. um, even I would even say even in our in our generation now, Jen, that every woman is still trying to be someone's wife, right? Yeah. And Thank you. Let's not let's not lie. Like if you're if you're too sexually confident, they'll say that you're you're a hoe. You're, uh-huh. They'll say that you're you know you're sexually hungry. How many, your body count is still a, a taboo uh-huh. subject. Right. You can't have sex with more than three guys. Mm-hmm. So I think even when you start to think about it like that, you know, and and I totally understand why women. I can see girls like pushing back on the power thing because they're thinking, mm-hmm. hold on, I don't want to be too sexual because you know guys won't want me anymore. They'll think uh-huh. that I have sex with anybody uh-huh. or they'll think that I know more than them. Yeah. So That's I just think it's so deeply rooted into the way we, we've been brought up and how we think mm-hmm. you know and at the end of the day as you're saying all women want i mean if you're a nigerian woman if you're brought in, in a nigerian home all you want to do is become someone's wife and become absolutely someone's mother. that's mm. that's the, the ultimate goal we mm. that's a social goal that's the social yes. that you're looking for so yes. I, I, I start to see how it all interlinks it's really interesting i'm not even mm-hmm. thought about it that deeply absolutely yeah and it's so yeah. what you brought up about being conditioned like when i South Africa as well. And I, I always tell people that there's a fundamental difference in the conditioning there. The South African women, maybe due to their history and the men, you know, having to go to the mine and the women are conditioned to be strong. Yeah. To be, to not just to be strong for themselves, but to be strong to take care of their family, to be strong to be able to provide the things that are needed. Versus in Nigeria, the women are conditioned to be strong so they can be able to help their husband fulfill their own greatest accomplishment. It is wow. a very tiny difference in conditioning but it's it it goes deep so now online if you just google now in south africa women saying single women are the highest buyers of properties wow there's no shame single women come online and they're showing their mercedes benz and things like that everyone celebrates them because they have been conditioned to be that way they have been conditioned to be strong women we can link it to maybe this is even why there's an increase in gender-based violence in south africa because the men are becoming weaker because the women are putting that power to themselves bring it to our country a woman who is a ceo who has achieved every single thing still doesn't feel fulfilled except she's doing something to help her man yeah become his better self yeah so teach you to have self-agency for your own well-being in our country they teach you to be self-sufficient have self-agency for your husband for your children 100%. See the way you're cooking. This is how you want to serve your husband. Not oh see the way you're cooking. Are you sure you're going to enjoy that meal? Mm. Mm. 100%. 100. 100. Because I've even heard, oh, 
boy, listen, I've even heard aunties, I've heard family members, because Lola, we're, we're both Nigerian, but we're just mm-hmm. here. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard that in conversations where, you know, um, people will pull pe- fam- family members of mine to the side that have gotten to a certain age and just be like, ah, you know, I know that you are, you, you know that you've got your car, you've got your career, but how will you feel warm at night? You'll just be mm-hmm. sleeping your own. It's time mm-hmm. for you to stop, you know, achieving that next promotion, to be looking at, you know, can you what you can do. Yeah, telling them to play it down because men are going to be intimidated or telling yes. them that you, you haven't really done anything unless unless you've got married. And and that isn't for, for me to say, you know, that having the desire to be with somebody or to be married is a bad thing it's not but (laughs) when you now start to frame your entire being around it when it becomes an achievement that if you don't have it and and also when you start to have to change the way you move through life to reach that goal that's problematic Mm -hmm. and 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 the thing that's so weird to me is why a lot of us don't see it as problematic because if you're in a job for example that you're now like like we all feel uncomfortable when we're in a job that we suddenly have to be kissing us or doing weird things that we wouldn't normally do in order to get a promotion right so why don't we feel that way when it comes to do you know what i mean a relationship or having to do that to attain yeah. something else like it's it's just mm-hmm. so weird to me but I love I love that we've that we've highlighted that and that thing about South African women it's, it's so true because I was there for a few months and all of the homes that I um that I visited and I went to were all led by women all led mm-hmm. by women um yeah. because for, for a variety of reasons but yeah they were usually single um single um women homes and often honestly you see the difference in how they move to their bossy like they don't care like they're like really i run this home i and there's no shame about it like they're just like yeah this is what this is what i do and it's almost like it's a it's a statement of fact that even south african men know do you know what i mean like it's, yeah yeah it's different yeah i love that it's very different but okay i'll let you take your next question babe because okay so i think i think we've we've delved into it but when i was speaking to jennifer um a couple of days ago we were talking about consent but in in the form of a relationship because i think it's one thing when you're not with somebody, you're not dating them. I think, you know, that's a whole ball game. But I think when you are with somebody um, mm-hmm. and, you know, your boyfriend or even, let's even talk about marriage. I think let's take it a step further because I got married recently and, you know, you could easily see how that line could be blurred again. Um, yes. Because, you know, you're, you're now, this is your husband, you know, and, you know, how they say it. And when you visit, you get married, you, say you're, 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 you become one, he's yours. Um, mm-hmm. How do you kind of, take the step further when it comes to consent in your relationship like how do you have those conversations where you're cultivating that healthy relationship that you were speaking about earlier but in the in the, in a space of a actual romantic relationship you both agree to be with each, each other it's a very that's an interesting and great um question because we talk about consent to people that you are not romantically involved with everybody understands it immediately this is not your boyfriend now so if you say no you should not you guys are dating or when you're married like you said it seems lines have been blurred it seems that's what I mean where there is a conditional coercion it seems right. that under certain conditions you are meant to act a certain mm. way to fill your role in that relationship goes back to us discussing that right because if you get married does that mean that I'm still not a human being with my own agency does right. my change who I am or does a relationship change who I am and I know that when it comes to relationship things are blurred which is why we need to be having these conversations where people understand that even if we are dating even if we are married it doesn't give you power over me right it doesn't mean that because you've paid my bride price which is a very important component you have access to my body anytime every time you want mm-hmm. I mean that so talking about 
consent is important because people can say hey, she, your babe no wants to give her time may she rest even the even the the framing of the words the framing mm -hmm. of the justification and the excuses still mm -hmm. shows that people believe they have access to your body so if, mm -hmm. uh, people don't believe that there's something like marital rape Seth, because as a husband you you have access to your wife's body and your wife has access to your body anytime that's right but, but even people who do not believe that marital rape can say something like that, I beg, not be your wife, you're supposed to free arms on test, now give her a break. Can you hear the language? Oh, the yeah. framing it's actually, it's actually of... It's actually disgusting. The framing of give her a break now, give her a break now. To that man, he thinks he's a compassionate and empathetic man. He thinks that he's seen his wife as an equal being. But no, he sees her that this is something she's meant to fulfill, but as a man, that you have to understand that sometimes women are not in the mood. They don't see that... Sometimes the woman doesn't even want, and that's okay. Mm. So mm -hmm. we need to discuss consent, especially, like you said, in romantic relationships and marriages, and say, does it mean that if we are now together, then I have no agency? That it mm. means that I cannot refuse to give you, you know, I cannot refuse certain things, because it's not just about sex. Sometimes you're not even interested in foreplay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, I'm like, if, if you see sex as the goal and every single thing, you forget that there are so many things that happen before that. Sometimes right. your partner is not interested in intercourse and all they want is just to be held, is just to be caressed. Yeah. Yeah. Arousal is different for everybody. There are certain times you're just not aroused for sexual intimacy yet or sexual intercourse. And it takes time. You need to be cuddled, you need to talk, you need to have good time, you need to eat, watch TV. It is in those moments that naturally your body begins to react and respond. But you see sometimes men, when you say, I'm not interested, I'm not ready, especially in the romantic scenario, when you say, I'm not interested, they take it as a personal attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not interested, that means there's something wrong with me. It means that you yeah. don't like me. Not, oh, there's something interesting. What is wrong with you? Or, okay, that's fine. Let us do something else. Because they don't yes. see you as someone with your own agency. They believe yeah. every single thing you do links back to them, which goes back to the question of that lack of self-awareness in the men. Yes. They have not been conditioned to see people as who as people who have their own issues and shit going for them. They are conditioned mm -hmm. to see people as an extension of what they want for themselves. Yeah. I take this woman, I take this woman, and I must have everything I want with this woman. So when we talk about it in relationships and in marriages, even before discussing consent, is letting them know that these are still human beings with agency who can decide what they want. You don't own them yes. because you guys are dating. You don't own them because you guys are married. You know, we, we see that even in people who are fantastic, even in women who are based and fighting, they still have a belief of ownership. Mm. If I'm dating somebody, then they are my own. Yeah. You yeah. angry if they talk to somebody. You don't want them to ever have female friends because you believe you are for me. You are mine. Yeah. Wow. It is very little, but like I said, nothing happens in a vacuum. Every single thing is interlinked. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. And what I'm I love that. Thank you. What I'm hearing so much of as well is is this spirit of entitlement. Sorry, I said spirit, but you know what I mean? Like entitlement. Spirit. It's this entitlement. And 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 mm -hmm. and that's why I love what you've been saying about you have to start young because these these things that we're talking about are just traits. Entitlement is a trait that you can see a child have. You can see a person exactly. non-sexual spaces, and when they're not addressed they become applied to everywhere. And mm -hmm. I think also that um, that lack of self-awareness that men have, well, men can have, but tend to have, is, is also, I think, what makes them think that 
is what makes them think like I feel like men can actually be extremely insecure beings and mm-hmm. that is also part of what makes them link everything like that a woman does to them and Back think to it them. must be about them like oh she doesn't want to have sex it's, it's because I'm doing something wrong and it's like when you don't have if if men sat down to actually be like wow let me try and do some self-development you would have identified that actually your insecurities is something it's a problem that you have and it would have been something that you'd be working on like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? yeah. from like mm-hmm. when you're an adolescent like wow this is something that i'm experiencing like but it's just almost as if they just don't work on it they just move through the world because they believe that they are entitled and everything you know i think it's so key i saw it and it's such a selfish view as well like who do you think you are is it just about you it's just so confusing to me what you guys are saying is so spot on you are absolutely correct it's an entitlement thing and the way they view the world which goes back to insecurities because a man's what is attached to one his ability to have good sex his Mm -hmm. penis size that's why a man who does not have a big penis in quotes can also be very insecure Mm. the way he can navigate through the world and take charge and dominate so Mm. the kind of entitlement and the kind of condition we give men is power over not power with you don't teach they don't teach the men to share power that all of us can have power and doesn't diminish from mine they teach mm. men that you have to take it and you have to dominate. The man is the head, yeah. other things. That's where it comes from. So yeah. the lack of self-awareness is certainly linked to the entitlement and insecurity because, of course, you feel that you're entitled to everything. You, have, you, don't, you, you feel insecure when you don't have those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the things don't go the way you have been conditioned to see the way the things are meant to go. And because of men are also not encouraged to get in touch with their emotions or to get in touch with certain kind of emotions because anger, frustration, and those things are also emotions. But those are emotions that are encouraged in men because they feel like that's what shows dominance. Yeah. But emotions like vulnerability. Yeah. Because if you cannot be vulnerable with yourself, there's no way you can be self-aware. There's no way you can interrogate your thoughts and interrogate your feelings. Because it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to say, what the hell is going on? Why do I feel this way? Does it mean that it's not about me, it's about the other person? You need to have insight. And we talk about intentions. These men are not necessarily evil men. It's just a blind spot. They don't know what they don't know. And the moment you point out that blind spot, two things happen. They either attack you or they go into their shell. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, there's no in-between because they have not been taught on how to investigate and interrogate those feelings. So it's Mm -hmm. either they come at you and say, who would you think and they start to start shame you or insult you or they go into this cocoon where they lose their self because that sense of self-worth has been gone or has been eradicated. This is also what leads to some violent men. Because if they have no control over their own self, they want to have control over someone else. They go out and they abuse people because it makes them feel like they are in control over certain things. So yes, it's a very conversation, but you're absolutely right because it goes back to insecurity, entitlement. A boy who has a child and the father told him, there's no need for you to cry. Do you think when he grows up, he's going to be able to deal with sadness? He does not know what to do when sadness comes up. He uses another emotions to cover that sadness. That anger, that rage, it's not anger, dear. You're broken. You're hurt. Something is hurting you. But if you cannot deal with the hurt, you're going to go into rage because rage is an easier emotion to control. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Oped, like in, in terms of your question, right? I saw a tweet, um, because around this whole thing, like everything that's been going on with the list, um, on Twitter, <laughs> Lolo, that um, Oped was talking about the um, the horrible, horrible rapes that we've been seeing all over the world, um, in Nigeria, you know, with the, the girls that have been been raped, um, the whole saga with the band everything that and shaitan and everything that's been going on um i saw someone they made a tweet and they said you know a key way for us to keep tapping into this conversation and what's happening every day is by constantly telling our men um whether they're our male friends whether they're people that we know whether they're people that we that we're dating every single time that they breach our consent in non sexual spaces and also sexual spaces to help them get it into their head because we have a lot of men that are doing this whole oh but not all men do that oh not all <laughs> men not all men rape and do you know what is so true so like every single time and and I think Ope, that that links well with your question because if we're able to identify to our partners every single time that they breach our consent in our yeah. relationship like you didn't ask me before you did that and and it's it's hard because normally right because they're your partner as you said like you mm-hmm. kind of usually just like look over it like oh it doesn't matter yes. like, where mm-hmm. da, 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 da. but you know something that um that lolo said in this is that you know we need to like stop giving people passes for that and yes. i think that's where intention comes in as well because to mm-hmm. me the one thing that pisses I hate this is when somebody does something wrong right let's say somebody makes a racist comment or they make a sexist comment or they do something and somebody goes oh but you've got to look at the intention they didn't mean to do that do you know how much that annoys me it annoys mm-hmm. me because I don't believe intention removes from what somebody has done you may have not intended to be racist you may not have intended to breach my consent by drinking my water and not asking me yeah. but you have the only so that's what it is the only thing that intention does for me is that it may or may not depending on what I decide um kind of determine how I deal with you so I might be <laughs> nicer in in my approach to you or yes. you because I know you didn't intend to offend me as opposed to if you did but like yes I, I just feel like that can really help us in our relationships like pointing out how our consent is breached when it is breached but using like okay if we know they didn't intend to do it like we can come across you know in a different way that we would if they're just like i don't care like that's whatever. right you know such so. a fantastic <laughs> such a fantastic what you said calling it out do you, what that does it's difficult to call out when people breach your consent it's much easier to say it but it's harder to do it because when we feel like you shall just ruffling feathers and causing problems there's nothing there now he didn't like you said he didn't mean to do anything <laughs> let me just but the more you do that, it is you are violating your own self and your own boundaries. That's why you get yeah. resentful. Yeah. yeah. Tell people that, oh, no, 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 what you did, I didn't like it. Please don't do this. It makes you, it, it's a muscle, like I tell. You have to train that muscle of being assertive. The people in your life or your, your, your partner are going to be comfortable. In the beginning, because they're like, I was wrong with you, killer day. Nobody just, I, I just touched you, this thing was wrong. But mm-hmm. if you say it the first time, you say it the second time, I'm telling you, it's going to register. Now, when they are in other situations, they are more likely to see it because you've pointed it out to them. Yeah. And they begin to respect your own space and privacy and things like that because you have told them how to deal with you. Certain, there's a mistake that we women do. We tend to assume that people will know how to deal with us because we are good people. I'm a good girl now, I'm nice. So if I continue being nice, the person will be nice back to me. That's not how it works. 
<laughs> it never works because people are always going to think about themselves. Mm. They are going to always think that they can continue to do it because you are allowing it. So you teach people how they should respond to you, how they should react to you. Like you said, intention doesn't remove accountability. Yeah. You, can, you can take something of mine, and I know that you didn't take it on purpose. I'm going to tell you assertively, please don't take anything on my table that belongs to me. I do not like to share without being asked. You have sent the message. I don't need to be nice and kind or polite to you to tell you that what you did infringed on my, you know, on my own personal space or made me uncomfortable. No. I don't need to put your own discomfort over my own comfortability. It's not possible because mm -hmm. I am denying myself. I am violating my own boundaries by giving you permission to continue to violate my own boundaries. Some of the most compassionate people are people that have boundaries of because their boundaries are so set, it makes it easier for them to deal with your issues with compassion and let you know that, yes, I understand you're a good person, but you're going to be accountable for what you did. Yeah. And that's also a sign of love and kindness. People think being cuddled, being infantilized is what shows that I love you. No. What that shows mm -hmm. that I want you to be completely dependent on me. I want to have power over you. But if I talk to you and I tell you, don't do this, I don't like this, I'm telling you because I respect you and I know that you are an adult who can take abilities right yeah. right and men tend to oh, take it so much as so much of an attack as well exactly. it's because like, they have cuddled all through their yeah. heart if you want it, to tell a man it. he did something wrong they they teach you what we call this in africa even abroad is manipulation it because is. of we are so scared of male anger we are mm -hmm. so scared of males response to our assertiveness they tell you to do it codedly being submissive by being submissive means by being manipulative you do it in a way where he doesn't know that you are the one mm -hmm. oh, that's still not power yeah 100 mm -hmm. and 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 what you said i love what you said about you know actually that somebody giving you feedback and saying listen i get that you didn't mean to do this but don't do it again like this is mm -hmm. this is how it feels and i don't want you to do this is actually what it means as well regardless yeah of your intention actually what you did was x but that's somebody that loves you that can say yes, that yeah. to you and wants to see you be your better self because mm -hmm. we always say it in terms of parents a parent that doesn't correct the child doesn't love the child they want them to just go outside and be misbehaving and then somebody mm -hmm. else will correct them with a we'll correct them for them something yeah. else, or something yeah, else. True. But, so why is it that when women give feedback to their men the men see it as oh, she's attacking me because they have their ego that's right sit down mm -hmm. and think okay wow she's actually telling me something that you know she's expressed to me and mm -hmm. she actually wants for me to be better and yes. the, the key thing is this is that most times a woman wants for a man to be better in the world like she's not even saying i want you to be better for me or exactly. i just want you to know how to handle mm. me she's trying to actually help you to just understand how you move through the world and understand that see yes. this thing that you did that's not life like that's not yes. how you behave so I, I I love that and I really encourage the men listening to our podcast you know when your woman's giving you feedback or when anybody is giving you feedback any woman mm -hmm. is because there's also that thing of only respecting women that you're romantically involved with and not mm -hmm. other women when mm -hmm. somebody's giving you feedback and saying listen you've breached my like I don't appreciate that don't do it go home and think about it don't you don't need uh -huh. to go and be screaming go home and think about it and think oh okay cool like how can I incorporate this um in into what I'm doing okay I don't know if you have no I just was gonna there. say that what everything that you were saying to me just highlights that you know 
more specifically even in a romantic relationship that your sexual relationship is is not in isolation it's an extension um Absolutely. of your relationship at hand I think all the the everyday things that you you discuss and how you handle those matters it mm-hmm. influences your sexual relationship I think people mm-hmm. think that when you're having sex with someone you're in this you know galaxy and you know you're it's so romanticized isn't it but mm-hmm. actually you know you start to see the respect you have for each other when you're having sex you start to see how you value each other even your opinions like you know and you know just being candid when you're having sex as well like I talk with my partner you know we make sure we're both happy like it's it's a conversation it's just a continuation of what you have already and Mm. I think what people need to understand is if your relationship at the core is is rotten and there is no respect respect there and you don't understand that how are we mutually beneficial to one another? You know, how I'm making sure that you're happy and I'm happy. Then, you know, your sexual relationship is also going to be that. It's going to reflect that. So mm-hmm. I think it's how we cultivate these conversations on a day-to-day basis on consent. I think everything we've touched on just yeah. highlights that. So I think um, we've been spot on in that. 100%. Yeah. I, just, I just have one more, like, remark or question, actually. Um, because oh, okay, I know we spoke about this and we're saying, oh, we don't know if we should. But I think on the basis that Lola has come in on a human rights level, I think mm-hmm. we can kind of I- I'll ask the question. So, okay. Lola, obviously, when we have these conversations, they tend to usually be um, quite gendered. Obviously, you know, it's usually women on the receiving end of her consent being um, abused and man being the perpetrator of that abuse of consent, right? Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask if you, what are your thoughts? Well, not necessarily, but um, I, early on when you started speaking, you spoke about, you know, a boy, for example, that's had his consent breached by a maid or things mm-hmm. like that. How, um, when you approach your classes, do you speak to women about um, also respecting the consent of their male counterparts if they are heterosexual in heterosexual relationships or do you tend to focus the conversation more on what I described so a woman having her consent abused and the man being the perpetrator of that abuse oh no I focus on both because it's so that's why I said I use human rights it's so mm-hmm. crucial for women also know that they can also breach people's consent what that does is that it elevates them from a victim mentality or a victim stance because we continue to look at it as oh women at once are the receiving side men are always women continue to see and frame themselves as victims in any sexual relationships as people with less power when i go and i'm teaching them i'm obviously highlighting the balance and i'm also telling them women ourselves can infringe on other people's consent because again we are human beings and we are flawed. No one is perfect. And it might not even be with your um, sexual partner. It can be with the way you treat the young boys in your community. It can be with the way you treat your kids. Right. You know, it can be with the way the maid is treating that boy in your, in your house and you're looking at the boy and thinking the guy is enjoying it. No, it could be in the way you deal with your partner because you assume that all men want sex. Don't forget that people all men and animals that want sex so women even believe that i'm giving you sex you should be happy but they don't see that they're infringing on the other person's um consent and um right so it's it's so important to expand the conversation especially if we're talking with children and teenagers when you discuss like that way you talk to them as people who have equal power yeah use examples of society to show 
manifest to show how society conditioning and can play in but you talk to them as people who are equals the man and the boy the, the man and the girl in class both of you are equals and both of you have parts to place both of you have flaws that you need to address when you're talking to them in that way the girls begin to see that okay i'm also like the guy the fact that these are the things in the world does not mean that i'm completely a victim and the boys also it gives them the strength to come out and discuss certain things that have happened to them because don't forget our society tells that men are meant to be strong they're meant to even want the sex so a guy who feels like his consent has been infringed might be too ashamed to discuss it because what kind of man comes out to reject sex Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, like that. can we do a part two to this conversation? <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Wow. There's so much to delve into, but amazing. And you know what? Something that, um, you know, Jennifer sent to me a couple of weeks ago that you just recently did, your, you know, your children-friendly sex education posters, um, which I just think are amazing. And I think underpins everything we've spoken about today, because I think ultimately it starts from education. Um, and I feel like a lot of the things that, you know, your all the work you're doing with kids, I think will just make for such a better future, for better relationships, sexual relationships, and just creating sexually healthy like people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a bit about, you know, what inspired that you to do that? What inspired me to talk to children? No, to create your um, sexual education posters. Like, okay. Uh, oh, and the video as well. Okay. Uh, I, like I said, I just realized there's a gap there's a knowledge gap in our country. People just don't know what they don't know. And the issue yeah. of consent has become slightly complicated now that it has removed the simplicity of what it is. And I decided mm -hmm. that I want to um, get people, let us create a child-friendly poster that even if I'm not in class teaching, the child can come and read up on that poster and know what to do and know what not to do. And also mm -hmm. teach parents about how consent can come in non-sexual spaces because if, I'm, if consent has now been like a flogged down um, topic, if you go online, yes. everyone's talking about it. Da, 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 da. But I decided to take it away from what we are usually used to and say, how can I talk about these same topics, day-to-day -day activities? Because I, like a grassroots front line is what we use. I don't talk about things in just theory. I want to show you how this thing is happening right now in your life and you're not even aware of it. So if I can talk to you about consent in non-sexual spaces in the way that when your child has an uncle that comes to visit, your child does not want to sit on your uncle's lap, but you go and tell your child, you go and sit down there. You're infringing on your mm -hmm. child's consent. Yeah. That as a parent, if your child says something, you tell her, shut up, you don't respect her, no. You're teaching your child that anything that else says is more important and superior. Yeah. If you're walking on the road and your child is seeing the way that you're using your hand to push people on the way, they assume that when the guy wants to toast them and the guy grabs them on the hand, it's part of human interaction. So I just decided to take it down to the basics because human, our minds are not, we think we're complicated, but we're not as complicated as we think we are. We need information to be given to us in the simplest way. Yeah. And for children, that means using colorful posters, using words they know, using actions that they are used to in their day-to-day -day life. So it's not as if you're adding new information, you're just merging what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And for adults and for aunts or guardians like us, using day-to-day -day and life experiences and examples that we do not even know, or we do not even see how it adds up mm -hmm. in our own life. So that was actually what triggered that. I drew a lot of videos on sex and sex ed and things like that. But I said, how can I just break it down to the fundamentals? How can I get anybody, even in Asia, Russia, Nigeria, UK, to see that even us, 
infringe on other people's consent without knowing and thinking that if I can say no during sexual spaces, that's all it is to it. No, some people don't know how to consent in non-sexual spaces when the stakes are not even high. Yeah. When it's high, some people don't know how to say no. If you collect something from somebody, they don't want to give it to you. They don't know how to say, I don't want to give, share my ruler with you. Wow. Certainly adds up. So building um empowered children is what is how we're gonna get empowered adults. It's not starting yeah. from when they're adults. We love the way the young ones are now. I mean, when you go back and you, whether you're trying to have nieces or nephews, can you compare them to when you were their age? The way their mouth is so sharp, the way they know right <laughs> from wrong. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Imagine that yes. child as an adult. Do you think you're going to be talking to that child anyhow? They're going to tell you simply. Mm, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. But it's just that whole, it's that whole joke. You know that joke that people say that like, you know, when you're in Nigeria and you grow up, they say, don't have boyfriend, don't have boyfriend. And then all of a sudden, when you're 21, they're like, where's your husband? <laughs> it's that whole, like, where's that whole thing? you want him to come from? Exactly. It's just that whole thing of, like, we don't have these conversations. We don't do, do what we need to do. But then we just want it to happen. And then we expect mm. people to be okay and not suffer all of these traumas and all of that. So um, I think it's I think it's amazing. When Jennifer sent it to me, I was blown away. I even said to my mom, I was like, I said it to my mom as well. Oh, you know, oh I was God. like, so when I had my kids, because, you know, I think even, even with everything that's going on in the world, I'm like, it's good that we're all educating ourselves and we're woke, but what about our parents? Because these are the people that are going to be around our, our kids. Mm. And, you know, we don't, want them to be, we don't want them to undo what we're doing. So mm. it's important that we carry everybody along this journey. It's true now. I said true. to her, I was like, mom, yeah. <laughs> look at these posters. And she, she really enjoyed it. She thought they were great. So um, I made my mom watch the whole video, mate. We were talking oh. and I was like, mommy, I was like, mommy, you need to see this video. And she was just like, oh, what? She was like, I'll watch it later. I was like, no, mommy, we're going to watch it now. Okay. I was like, what are your thoughts? And she was just I like, yes, I think, yes, that's very true. What? I was like, yeah, girl, so when I don't want to be hearing, oh, don't worry that you took the ruler, your sisters. I don't want to be hearing that. I want to be hearing, give the ruler back and ask yes. her if you can. Yeah, so I, th I think that content was absolutely gold. And um, congratulations on all the reception that you've been getting, because I've seen that, you know, the posters have been um, translated, you know, people yeah, are reading nice. them and you've, you've got so millions of, of impressions. So huge congratulations on that. Um, big big stuff so just for those um those, those people that i listen i'm sure everybody's burning away just as much as jen and i are you know where can where can people find you like what are your social um details yes you can find me on twitter instagram tweet um facebook it's lolo cynthia that's l-o-l-o -L -O, cynthia on twitter instagram it's l-o underscore c-y on youtube it's lolo talks so l-o-l-o -L -O, then talks you can find me there and have all my content there as well amazing yes. and i just yes. have another are, are we are you working on anything that you can tell us that we should be excited about anymore yeah, my my personal website is coming very soon which is going to have tons of resources tools for parents posters free posters i like giving free resources just because i'm also i'm not rich i didn't grow up rich i'm not a rich person i understand what free information does so i'm going to be giving mm -hmm. a lot of free information i'm looking at doing some documentaries on wow is around yes i want to do documentaries this year on certain issues around sex ed on certain issues around um sexual practices that are not good like fgm and all of those things so those are certain mm -hmm. things that you know and 
I don't want to say whether it's this year or early next year, but I want to release a book, and the book is going to be like a, a, a sex guide for young women. Where I'm going to be talking. So, how to deal with men who ask you for sex, how to become sexually liberated, how to love your body. Just using, like I said, real life simple examples and simple words, yes. making sure that you are empowered just by reading it. I, I love it. Love it. So, so needed. I'm excited to see all of these things, honestly. Yeah, 100%. So, Lola, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I honestly. had a fantastic time. Oh, yeah, this conversation has been gold. We've learned so much. I know. Of it, of it, I'm just like, wow. Ah, I can, I'm going to go and stalk <laughs> you now. I want to go and all of you. Because I just mean everything because I'm just so hyped. So thank you yeah. so much. We've just thank you so, so much, much for you. having me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, thank you and guys we want to thank you we hope that you really really enjoyed um this episode we hope that you've learned something please share it you know with all the things that are going on please you know listen take notes digest apply and share it to all to you know to all your friends your family everyone that you know and yeah we look forward to joining you on the next episode Mm -hmm.